Masech Nedarim Dafayin Bet, we begin with a question. Iba'ya lehu, Gerushin kishtika damya o kama damya. If a man and woman are a man is mikudesha to a woman, she makes a vow and he doesn't say anything, uh, but then they get divorced. Um, so that getting divorced, is that the same as remaining quiet? Or is the act of divorcing similar to a ratification of the vow? Interestingly, we don't say that it's like nullifying the vow. You might think that since, since he said, you know, she makes the vow, he says, I'm out of here. Uh, maybe that would be the same as nullifying it. Uh, but no, that's not one of the options. Options is he didn't nullify it. So is it, is it uh, uh, like being quiet or does it ratify? Now, what's the difference? He's out of the picture anyway, isn't he? Uh, Oh, it does make a difference. For example, if the this uh, groom heard the the vow, divorced her, and remarried her, or did kiddushin again on the very same day. And here's the difference. Since he heard it on that day, he did he he, he divorced, he remarried, so he's now he's he's the husband again. Uh, it's on the same day, so since he was considered like quiet before, and it's still the same day, so it's as if nothing happened, and then he can, uh, in between, and he remains married to her, and he can therefore, he can nullify it. We saw before, even a new husband can nullify it. So, uh, it's certainly the same husband. However, if, however, you say that um, it's like it's being ratified, well then, by divorcing her, if that's considered a ratification, then he cannot come afterwards and nullify it, because you can, can't nullify it after you ratify it, not even on the same day. Why would you think that it's like ratifying it? Because since he divorces her, he effect, he's not going to be able to nullify it when they're divorced. So it's uh, effectively bringing the window, uh, closing the window of opportunity on nullification. Usually, usually window of opportunity is that day, the day that the husband hears about it until sunset or until it gets dark. Um, and by divorcing, he's saying, oh, that's it. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm closing the window now um, because he won't be able to. And so then, therefore, I might think that itself is a ratification um, because he, there is no possibility for his nullifying it afterwards. Although, if he does remarry her, then he can, then he would have been able to nullify it um, had it uh, uh, in other circumstances. Uh, but um, since he did divorce her, and divorce is like ratification, therefore he cannot, even after he does, he cannot nullify it even after, after he does remarry her. That is the question. We're going to try to bring a proof from, first from the Braita that we already know, Tashima has two parts. When do we say that when the groom dies, then the father gets the full rights to nullify his own rights and even that of the groom. Uh, only when the groom either did not hear about it at all or heard about it and he nullified it or he heard about it and he was quiet and the groom died on that day um, but he didn't he didn't ratify it and so as long as he didn't ratify it then and he dies then the father gets to do it okay notice that it only mentions a case of dying 
And if if it were if you say that divorce is the same as being quiet, then it should also include in this um, in this uh, uh, text a case of uh, in this Baraita should also include if he heard about it and divorced, because divorce would also be true that it's not like ratification, and therefore the father can do it. Once it doesn't say that, we can conclude that the, that uh, divorce is like ratification. That's why it's not on this list. It would seem to be a good proof if we take this list as davka, meaning only these and only these, and we're not and and exclude everything else. Um, however, here's the problem: Emasefa, the continuation of the Brayta, says aval im shama If the groom heard about it when he was alive and he ratified it and died, then died afterwards, or shama v'shatakumet bayom shalachalav, or he heard about it, was quiet on that whole day, and he only died the next day. In either of those two two cases. The, the vow is ratified by the groom, and Yacholafed, then the father no longer can annul it after the death of the husband. So notice this case clause, this clause also mentions only death, not divorce. If you say that that divorce is like ratification, then it should also say, um, and if he or if he heard about it and divorced her, so heard about divorce is like ratification, and then also the father wouldn't be able to annul it. Since it doesn't mention that case, we can derive that divorce is like being quiet. And so we come to opposite conclusions from if depending on if we focus on the Resha or focus on the Sefa. Therefore, we see that we cannot learn anything from this Braita. It just simply wasn't talking about this case, or it's, a, or it's ambiguous, right? Because if we take the first half of it as being precise and it's on purpose that it excluded uh, Gerushin, um, well then uh, we'll have to take the, the rest of the, the truth is all we would need is the Resha because then you can infer everything else from the Sefa so the Sefa is just there by the way um, then yes if you take the first half as, as being precise then you'll learn that uh, divorce is like ratification but on the other hand we can equally take the Sefa as being precise these cases and only these cases um, and uh, then in that case why didn't include more cases in the Resha or maybe this wants to be in parallel since the Sefa was, to- Sefa was talking about death so the Resha only talking about death and not not talking about divorce cases um, but uh, but since it's totally ambiguous because you could focus on one or focus on the other so we have no proof from here all right another proof from the Mishnah uh, if she made a vow while she is um, uh, uh, while she is mikudeshet uh, to to a groom, and she gets divorced, and she gets mikudeshet again on the very same day, even a hundred times, uh, the father and the very last groom can re- undo the vow. Oh, shemamina gedushin kishtika damu. Isn't that a good proof that uh, divorce is like being quiet? 
דיקה קמדה מורמי מפרד ארוס אחרון נדרי דעוקים ארוס ראשון. After all, if divorce was like ratification, then how would the last groom be able to, um, uh, to, uh, 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 to nullify it? Um, uh, since uh, there was divorce, he was she was divorced before. Um, right? How could the last groom uh, nullify a vow that was ratified by the divorce of the earlier one? So it seems to be a good proof that divorce is in fact like being quiet, right? No, not necessarily. Maybe the first groom didn't hear about it. And if you don't hear about it and he dies, well, then that's not like uh, um, ratifying it because it didn't even come to his attention. It was not even presented to him. Okay, I mean, the window of opportunity didn't even open. So it can't, you can't say that divorce closes it. Wait, hold on. If that's the case, then why does the Mishnah have to say that she divorced and remarried, divorced and remarried on the same day? Even after a hundred days, it would be the same thing. In other words, if she made the vow while engaged to the first husband and her first husband didn't hear about it, well, that, and then she's divorced. And then a hundred days later, she, uh, another, um, she's, she gets uh, engaged to some other guy. Well, because he never heard about it, uh, it was no, the, the, no, none of the grooms heard about it until the last one. So then the window opportunity only opens um, at that point, And then that later groom would be able to annul it, even though it's 100 days after. Right? The, a groom doesn't have to nullify a vow on the same day that the bride makes it, only on the same day that he hears about it. Um, and so that can't be the case of the Mishnah, because the Mishnah says it has to be the very same day. Uh, so we answer, oh, no, In fact, the Mishnah does make sense why it has to be the same day. Um, because talking about a case where the groom did not hear, but the father did hear on that day, and that's the law. Once either one of them hears, that opens the window of opportunity, and both of them have to nullify it on the same day. So since the father heard about it, even though the groom didn't hear about it, that groom dies. So all, since, the, since the father heard about it on that day, only on that day can it be nullified. Uh, if it's 100 days later, it cannot be nullified. That's why it has to be on the same day. Uh, but we can still say we're talking about a case where the first groom didn't hear about it, and therefore there is no proof from the, the Mishnah that when a groom does hear about it and divorces, then that is like uh, being quiet. Maybe if he did hear about it, it would be like ratification, and um, he or a later groom would not be able to nullify it. This Mishnah is only when the first groom didn't hear about it. Okay, so let's try again. Tashema nadra bo bayom gersha vechezira bo bayom en yachol lehafer. A braita that says if she made a vow on a, a, a certain day, and then uh, he, she, he, she, she is divorced and returns and re does kiddushin again on the very same day. The groom cannot do cannot undo the vow. So we can see from here that the divorce is like ratification, and that's why it says that he cannot nullify it. Otherwise, why would he not be able to nullify it? We answer, You thought we were talking about a, a, a groom and bride that were just mikudashot. They only did kiddushin. No, with this baraita is talking about 
of someone who is fully married. Because we have a rule, we saw this rule way at the beginning of the Pedic, that a husband was married, right, a full husband, cannot nullify any vows that were that were taken before the marriage started. Uh, the husband is like is like a, a new, it's a cutoff point. And anything the husband only has a right husband has has is stronger in the sense that he has a full power over his wife's vows and doesn't need the father um, but it also comes with a, a detriment um, which is that that only applies to vows that she made after the full marriage um, the reason why it's different for someone who's uh, for uh, a groom who is who did kiddushin banani suin over there a groom interestingly can nullify vows even that were taken before but beforehand because the the bride took them while under the authority of the father and since the groom and the father work together so then it's um it, it is they are he is connected to it um so in other words if you have a you know whatever a 11 and a half, 12 year old who makes a vow while single and the father then has the right to undo it but the father didn't hear about it yet and then she gets engaged she does kiddushin to a man well now the man has some authority but all not full authority only half with the father but since she made it while while under the under the father's authority well of course i mean she, as long as she was alive she was under the father and uh, uh therefore the that groom can when would need to undo it together with the father even though it was made before the kiddushin uh, but none of that applies with with nisuin because with nisuin she is no longer under the um, authority of the father so anything she made with the father was, was back with the father's domain now she enters a new domain and that of her husband fully and so therefore this full authority of the husband only applies to vows she made while she is fully married okay so this principle is going to be needed in order to understand the next mishnah uh, there was the way of sages, people who are wise, they do this, this is good advice, that before their daughter would go and uh, marry someone else, he would say, um, any vows that you had on, in, under my roof while with me, um, they are hereby annulled. In other words, um, uh, the day before the Nisuin, while the father still has authority, now anything that the father heard about it, uh, presumably he either decided to annul it or not, and those would be, those would be ratified. But what about any, any vows that the daughter made and the father didn't yet know about it? So the father will make a declaration over all her vows and say, all vows that you made will, are going to be um, nullified because from on the next day they're going to be married. She's going to be married, and then the husband, the future husband, will not be able to nullify any of those previous vows. And that way, this is the last chance the father can have to undo those vows and let her go into the marriage clean. And similarly, the husband, um, while they're still, um, whilst they're still in the state of Kiddushin, the day before the Nisuin or the, the hour before Nisuin, 
um, will say uh, before uh, you we, before we do nisuin here, um, uh, he says to her, any vows that you made before you're gonna come into my domain uh, before nisuin, they are all nullified um, because once he she enters he will not be able to nullify it anymore this is the last chance that he gets so this is good advice so that you won't be surprised afterwards oh i had a vow from before that uh you know that i'm uh, that i'm not gonna live in new york i says well well you never told me that vow so that way you get rid of all of them from now Good. Mm, question is, can a husband nullify something that he didn't hear about? Right? That's what seems about from these cases here that they don't even know the content of the vow. So is that legitimate? Can you uh, nullify uh, across the board a general thing even if you didn't actually hear about it? Uh, the answer is, because when the Pasuk says, and her husband hears about it, does that mean that he has to hear specifically about the particular thing? Or not necessarily, maybe um, it, maybe even a generality, um, he doesn't have to actually hear about the contents. Uh, let's see if we can answer it. Here's a proof from our Mishnah that we just read. And that the way of, of sages was that before their daughter is going to go get married, he would, they would say, all vows are nullified. So you see that you can nullify a vow, even though you don't actually know, the, you didn't even hear about the content. And the answer, we, we reject that. No, what he means to say is, I am saying this from now, so that when I hear it, when I hear the contents of that, I want it to be nullified. Right? So not that it's going to be automatically nullified at that point that he makes a declaration. He's just making a pre-declaration um, that should cover things that he does hear about in particular in the future. Okay, so maybe, but imken Hold on, if he didn't hear about anything, then why would he bother saying it? Why not? Why not just wait until you do until the father does hear about a particular vow, and when he hears about it, then he'll say, "Oh, I nullify that vow." In other words, if he has to hear about it, it doesn't work until he hears about it. Then what's the point of the preempt of preempting? This teaches us that the way of Torah scholars is to pursue such matters, do some investigations. Listen, I want to nullify any vows that you ever made. Hey, you have any vows, right? Can you tell them to me now? And that way he can nullify them. But they're not automatically nullified uh, across the board. Um, he does have to first hear it and then nullify it. Okay, so no proof from there. Tashma mistefa. How about from the continuation of them of the Mishnah? Okay, so also from the the husband, it says until even before they they get married. Actually, before they get married, he says any vows that you have, I want all nullified. Uh, doesn't that sound like yes, you can nullify things even with even though you don't know them in particular? No. 
Here also, the husband is saying, when I will hear about a particular vow, then I want it to be nullified. Uh, there's no possibility of him nullifying a generality, all, all vows, that he does not hear about it. He's just making a declaration so that uh, she will, at that point, say, oh, you want to know about my vows? So this is a way of him pursuing, uh, checking out, finding vows, uh, so that then when she says the particular, then he will be able to nullify it. So no proof from there. Oh, let's try again. Tashima. Here we have a Braita that teaches, actually it's a Mishnah in Masech Nedarim, that teaches, someone says to his wife, all vows that you make um, until I come back from that place while I'm away, right? I'm not going to be here, but while I'm away, they should all be ratified. That does not work. You can't ratify something for the future because you can't ratify something that doesn't yet exist. So that is nothing. But here's a, the proof is from the next part. Um, if he says they are all nullified, right? Anything that you make, any vows that you make from till I come back is nullified. Rabbi Eliezer says it works. Hold on, but he didn't, certainly didn't hear about it, right? He's away. It didn't even happen yet. And so isn't this a good proof that yes, you can nullify a vow, even though you didn't hear about the it's you hear about it in particular. We say no. What he means here also is when I hear about the vow, I'm gonna want it to be nullified. That's why he's saying it. So we ask, then what's the point of saying it from now? Just uh, eventually, when he hears about it, after he gets back, let him nullify it on the day that he hears about it. And the answer is, uh, that's all part of the question. Why from now, when he hears about it, let him nullify it? The answer is, maybe he'll be preoccupied at that moment and he won't be able to nullify it. He's going to hear about it while he's in the middle of an important meeting. He's not going to have time to nullify it. The meeting's over. He's going to forget about it. He wants, he wants to make it clear from now that all, nullific- all, all vows um, that you will make until I get back, these will all be nullified even when I, when I hear them. Um, then they should be automatically nullified, um, even if I happen to be too busy to nullify it. All right, so no proof from there, um, because it only takes effect when he hears about it in particular. So let's try another proof. Similar to the previous case, but now we introduce a steward. A guy's going away and he, and he uh, appoints uh, someone uh, to have uh, legal authority all of all, all over all of his monetary affairs. Um, uh, and uh, kind of a right of attorney um, to to do what to do anything that the husband can do, and he tells the apotropos any vows that my wife makes from now until I get back, I want them to be nullified, right? Um, and he does, and the apotropos does it, and he hears the, va- the 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 wife does it, and he nullifies that. Can it be that that would be would that would work? Would they be nullified? No, because the pasuk says ishaha means ish shela. Her husband can ratify it and her husband can nullify it, but not a potropos. Uh, this is something that he has to do himself.
Um, now we continue that 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 discussion continues. Am I allowed to be on a tan? We always find that an agent of a person can act as a person. So how come the potrapos uh, cannot act as his agent? Okay, now we're going to analyze and bring the question and bring the proof. We see a machloket in the Mishnah between the Yoshiya, who says that no, the Apotropos cannot do it, as the Yonatan said, a person can always make a shaliach and therefore the Apotropos can do it. Fine. Um, but even, that's the machloket only about the apostropos. But even the Biosheya, his problem is only that the, there's a, 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 usually you can make a, a, an agent, but here the pasuk goes out of its way to say the husband can do it, him, has to do it himself, no one else can do it. Um, but he would agree, even the Biosheya would agree, everyone would agree, um, that in other cases a person can appoint an agent. And so the only problem here is the technicality of whether he can be appointed as an agent or not. But uh, leaving aside that issue, but no matter what, this agent did not hear about the particulars of the vow. Um, when the husband says, you know, go and nullify all vows that will be in the future, so he's authorizing it already from this point when it's only a generality. And so the husband doesn't know the generalized at that point, and neither does the agent. Know, uh, the husband only knows the generality and the agent also um, does not know the particulars of the vows that are going to be said in the future. So isn't that a proof that yes, you can nullify all, all vows in a general statement and you don't have to know the particulars? And we reject this one also. Here it's also when the husband says to the agent, listen, when I hear about them, I want them to be nullified. Um, so uh, that when he comes back, and then you'll, you know, then I'll hear about them. You'll tell me about them. She'll tell me about them. And only then they're going to be nullified, but I have to know the particulars. So we ask, well, in that case, let him just wait till he hears them, and then he'll nullify it. What's the, what's the point of him telling the agent that I want them, uh, from now, I want them nullified? And the answer is, because the husband is thinking, listen, I might, I might be pre preoccupied at the time that I hear them. I might be busy with other things. And then I'm not going to have a chance. So you know what? I want to let you know from now. I want everything nullified, even though that by itself will not take effect automatically. But when he hears about it in particular, then he'll be able to nullify it. So, but it does not get nullified until he actually does hear the particulars, and therefore we leave this off without an end, without a proof. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.